We're live, pal. Here we go. An undefeated was upset on the road this weekend, and other undefeateds are playing like they don't want to stay that way either. Some of these one-loss teams look like they're ready to take them down a notch. Some two-loss teams are looking like they could too. As for our favorite teams, Nebraska's starting to roll a little bit, and even Auburn got their first conference win of the Hugh Freeze era, making their guy look like a decent quarterback for a change. Andrew, we are deep into conference play. What have we learned? Well, Terry, we've learned we've got pretenders and we've got contenders. And the problem is it's November, baby. And that means it is playoff football. That's where everybody's headed. And I was looking statistics over games I missed. Cannot tell you the number of teams that turned the ball over, committed an unnecessary amount of penalties, plus 100 yards. November in conference play headed towards your championships is not the time to be making these mistakes. And we'll get into Nebraska soon enough, but uh, it is it is going to be ne- necessary for all these teams to play clean football because you got one or two teams that are on top and everybody else. And I think we are starting to see a pattern with several of these teams, which I know you and I have talked about. Yeah, I, I think the, the best defense or the best offense sometimes is an undisciplined opponent, and that's really showing up in a lot of these games. Yeah. Multiple turnovers by your top 10 teams. It's yeah. insane. A hundred plus penalty yards for USC this weekend. Colorado giving up almost was it double digit sacks to UCLA? Oh, um, but also having a hundred yards worth of penalties, pre snap violations, and proceed. What are you doing? You're game eight. Or seven for some of them, but a lot of it was eight. You're in week nine. What are we doing here? So, Terry, let's not get away from the agenda. I have notes today. So, you know, it's going to be a fun show. That's good. But you mentioned Colorado, and that reminds me. I sent you something today where apparently Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, is um, when they lose a game, and I don't know all the details here, when they lose a game, he's putting an L on their jerseys to remind them that they just lost a game. That is pretty awesome. <laughs> Talk about motivation. Well, somebody said uh, in a response to that, that post you tagged me, that it was actually leaders for L and oh. <laughs> B is for ballers. Yeah. So I don't know what's true or false, but because this is our show, for our purposes, that oh, L for Shador Sanders is loser because once again, the absentee offensive line of Colorado Horse Shador, he got rocked. I mean, is he a football player or is he a professional boxer at this point? Because he spends a lot of time on his ass. And it is not good for Shador Sanders right now. And that's the thing about uh, Colorado. It's like we know that they have a handful of players that are fantastic. I mean, Shador is a very good quarterback. But if you are not winning in the trenches, if you're getting dominated by the defensive line of the other team, and that's in the Pac-12, imagine what it would be like from another conference. These are not spectacular defenses out there. I mean, that's sad because these are some 
superstars on this team. He has a handful of really good guys. You know, at the start of the year, we were trying to talk people down from acting like Colorado was going to a playoff or something. And I think we've effectively done that because they've lost a few games. But let's not push them down too far because Colorado still has some playmakers. They have to deal with that a lot talented. of crap. But it's there. The, yeah, the talent on the skill side of the ball is absolutely ridiculous. And here's a stat for everybody. I don't have the numbers, but I do know that Shador Sanders leads the country in yards per pass and, and passing yards, rather. He also leads the country a number of times sacked. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> those two things, it's like Joe Burrow in the NFL. Um, he he has all the big the touchdowns and all that with the with the Cincinnati Bengals. He is the most sacked quarterback, other than maybe Bryce Young right now, in the NFL. And so if you can't protect the quarterback, and UCLA is not a great defensive team, but they looked like they were Nick Saban's Alabama from 10 years ago that just ate people up. They yeah. looked they looked like a Georgia defense on Saturday, and it's all because they can't protect the quarterback. So one thing I did see Coach Prime say, because I did watch part of this game, you know, at halftime, he says, it doesn't matter if it's my kid or not back there throwing the ball. We have to protect our quarterback. We're not going to win games. Then when he was asked about the offensive line, in his post-game press conference, he said, well, I guess I'm just going to have to replace everybody I have. Yeah. So he is very well aware that he's got to use that transfer portal because he's not got enough time in at the University of Colorado to have a root-based, really systemic recruiting factory like right. we see in some of these other schools, the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Ohio States, the Michigans. He doesn't have that at Colorado. He's going to have to play the plant transfer portal. And quite frankly, it worked out the first time. Why wouldn't it work yeah. out the second time? So yeah, I anyway, I guess. Yeah, and it's new, and he's he's utilized it pretty well. But I kind of wonder, though, if certain positions are going to be easy in the transfer portal and certain positions are not. And Colorado is a good example of skill positions being a little easier to, to fill the hole but then those offensive lines and defensive lines are going to be difficult, and you really have to recruit out of high school for that. But I also think the high schoolers are going to want to play for him too. So, um, you know, I think um, as much as we tried to push down on the expectations this year, I do believe in a couple of years that he's going to improve those offensive and defensive lines. And, um, you know, he's still going to be arrogant. He says – up, uh, he says he's confident, but um, it's arrogant. We know it is. Mm. But um, I think he's going to get a lot done there. You know, they're not finished. They didn't get proven wrong by any means. They've got some skill positions that are great, and they're going to add some more pieces over the next couple of years. I think if he doesn't go to the NFL with his sons, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, as long as he stays in Colorado, they're going to have a high probability of success there, Terry. Despite the the problems they've had now, you know, we talked about what's the draw in co- what's the draw in the Pac-12 as far as recruiting. A head coach is going to be a draw, and there isn't one that knows how to keep himself in the media better than Deion Sanders. And unlike some of our favorite coaches, he likes to talk to the media. He doesn't care. He doesn't give them the one word answer at halftime. He's talking the whole time. Answering all the reporters' questions, Saban, Kirby, Dabo, 
Ryan Day, Jim Harbaugh. It's they don't they don't do that. They don't give the media the time he gives the media. And he could use that to his advantage. And in no way, shape, or form was this on your notes or agenda for tonight. But hey, it's fun conversation because to Chip Kelly's point about Deion Sanders, he is raising the profile of college football simply by who he is and what he does. So, you know, whether you like him or you don't, college football is getting a lot more attention and Colorado is getting a lot more attention than they ever have. Well, I can't say ever have, but it's been a long time since Colorado was a team that even got a primetime football game. You know, the the game of the week sort of stuff. Yeah, we're talking about Colorado's future, and it, and it really brings to mind this whole realignment that's really going to kick off because they're going to be part of that, obviously, with the Pac-12 kind of dissolving, I guess. I mean, I haven't heard that officially, but they got two teams left that are that are not placed, so I can't imagine. Are they just going to rob the entire Mountain West or something? I don't know. Maybe that's a good topic for the offseason, but – I had to look this up because I have not really paid enough attention to this. Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah are going to the Big 12 next year. So, you know, Big 12 loses Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC, but they're going to bring in Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. And that's pretty interesting because I think that's some pretty good football teams there to add to the Big 12. You know, they got a big loss in the in the Big 2, but they're going to have Oklahoma State sitting there ready to – to start um, being a pretty big contender in the Big 12 and some other teams there, and they're going to bring in some other contenders there too. So I don't think the Big 12 is going to be um, hurting too bad. You know, I, it's always a loss when you lose Texas and Oklahoma. There's nobody that's going to replace those two teams. But this conference is not going to be that bad next year, and I, I'm ready to see what Colorado can do in there. Two things. Colorado was in the Big 12 before they went to the Pac-12, so they're familiar with that sort of landscape. Number two, it's called the Bighorn Network for a reason. You got the SEC Network, you got the ACC Network. Texas has its own network. They're taking a lot with them, to your point, from the Big 12. But that leaves a vacancy and a vacuum for somebody to step into it. And who better than Coach Prime? I'm serious about this, too. Yeah. He'll sell tickets because of who he is and what he says. It doesn't it doesn't matter. He's also going to continue to recruit. He's going to continue to get the transfers. The people that, you know, I jokingly called, you know, a couple of the old miss guys last week, uh, Alabama rejects, but most people would be okay rebuilding their team with Alabama rejects. Right. <laughs> you know, and I, you yeah, can look- say Georgia. You could say Ohio State. You could say Michigan. You could say Florida State rejects. They're our top five. Those are the teams that I pay attention to, and all of them really are blue bloods. Georgia, Alabama, and Georgia's not maybe quite as much established as Ohio State, Michigan, and even Florida State, but Georgia is a two-time defending national champion, and I know that we're going to talk about it because (laughs) the Georgia Bulldogs showed up this weekend. They showed up. Yeah, to kind of wrap it up a little bit, um, and I did a real quick Google search because I have not dug into this a whole lot, honestly. But USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington are going to the Big Ten. And boy, that's the right now, that's the class of the league. 
for the most part. And then Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah are headed to the Big 12. And then we've got Cal and Stanford, and I've mentioned this a few times, in the Atlantic Coast Conference next year. And, you know, with the Pacific Coast Division. (laughs) Exactly. So we've got um, Washington State and Oregon State. And these are two pretty good football programs. Um, They're left just kind of with nothing. So I don't know. I don't know that we've heard anything about that, but that'll be interesting to see in the offseason where this goes. So why don't we get started on the agenda a little bit this week? And I'll click out the agenda. from the Google. The agenda. We're going to start with the SEC this week because we had um, Georgia making some people look foolish on the thought that Florida could hang with them at all. Georgia with a 43-20 to 20 victory over Florida, and it wasn't that close. No, not close at all. Georgia did what they do. Statistically, you look at the game and you say, well, that's a Georgia football game. They ran the ball. They put, I think, almost 500 yards up. They scored on the first five possessions, I think it was. Um, and they just at will. Florida was at their mercy. They they caused two turnovers. They didn't turn the ball over. They, I mean, they're missing Brock Bowers. If Brock Bowers had been on the field, they probably would have hit 50 or 60 on Florida this weekend. Um, interesting that I, I told you I took notes. I got them right here. See, <laughs> yeah. notes. Um I, so I took notes. And here's the thing that I wrote in the in the margins you left us. Georgia plays when they want to. Mm-hmm. That's what I. That's how I feel about this Georgia football team. Is they got a lot of shit about the Kentucky game, and Kentucky was never in that game, right. and Georgia was never in jeopardy. Now they go to Jordan Hare in a team they should beat by 30. No offense, Terry. Auburn no, is not there true. to compete with Georgia. Yeah, And Georgia just can't get out of their own damn way. Right. And Auburn, to their credit, plays lights out. Mm-hmm. They play as good as they played anybody against Georgia. Okay? But there's no reason for Georgia to even Auburn to be in that game. Any more there was any reason for Vandy to do what they did against Georgia. And then you see them just shut down Florida at the biggest cocktail party in the country, I think is what they call it, in Jacksonville. Um, third straight time. Billy Napier still might be on the hot seat because I don't even know that they know what they have at the University of Florida these days because you have a really good football team a couple weeks, and then you have the team that gets trounced by Kentucky and Georgia. Then you have the team that somehow dominates Tennessee. It's like, what are we doing? You know? So yeah, that's the wild that, card game. That yeah. one, that one just doesn't make a lot of sense. But anyway, good for Georgia. Another big win. Um, the problem is we're losing some of our barometers because we thought Florida was a decent football team and they got look they got shown up not once but twice this year. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to Clemson, but we might have lost that as a barometer of how good other teams are. Uh, despite the fact that I told, told our boys, holler out to uh, Dave and Tim that you don't come to Raleigh <laughs> if you're Clemson and think that you're gonna you're gonna dog walk the, the uh, Wolfies. And they didn't. Uh, right. But we'll get there. I don't want to. I want to jump too far ahead. Well, but the whole point is that there are teams we have thought. Well, that was a really good football team. That means this team that beat them must be a good football team. So to my point about Georgia or LSU or any of the rest of them, I don't know if they are good football teams or not. But Georgia remains undefeated. Kirby Smart's going to do what he does, and uh, 
I mean, Florida's got problems, and they've got the problem where they had the head ball coach for so long, and then they had Urban, but between him and Urban and after Urban, they really haven't found that magic in Florida. Yeah, I think what we're seeing, and I guess it has to do with the transfer portal and that kind of thing. There's 133 Division One FBS teams now, and you know I've talked about how ridiculous I think that is and how, how it makes it difficult. But I think what we've seen, we've got very few teams that can recruit depth and keep it. And you've got a whole bunch of second-layer teams that can recruit some very good players but they're going to be swapping them in and out every year. And Florida and, you know, even Georgia showed some signs of that. Like you said, they play when they want to. What your concern is, are they going to want to play when they need to? No. And that, that's the thing. It's like, because they've got Ole Miss, I believe, um, later in the season, if I'm not mistaken. And um, that's a team that if they let them get ahead and they're not, they're not awake for that game, um, they could let them get too much of a lead. And that's the concern. Yep. You know, LSU is kind of that way. Um, Ole Miss is that way. You know, LSU and Ole Miss are kind of like Pac-12 teams in the SEC this year. They've got phenomenal offenses. Their defenses are not spectacular. But um, – these are the teams that are dangerous against the teams that may or may not show up. And we've talked about Alabama. They'll have a, a phenomenal half. But then, you know, you don't beat Arkansas by three points by playing 60 minutes. You know, so there's a lot of that going around. I, I, it's hard to find a complete team with enough depth to be consistent. And even Penn State, and we'll get to all that, but Penn State, this weekend showed some vulnerability they have not shown all season. But um, mm -hmm. those are the kind of things that I think come from lack of depth. You get one guy banged up, needs to go to the sidelines, then his backup's not going to be the same guy. There's just not enough talent to go around for everybody. There's a lot of teams. A lot of teams, and of course, you have to have, and we'll get to it when we start talking about Nebraska, you have to have a reason for people to want to come play for you. Oh, yeah. You know what a reason to want to play for the Georgia Bulldogs is? Two-time defending national champion. Lost a national championship game. You know? Oh, oh and yeah. if you go you go south of Georgia, who did they lose the national championship game to? Alabama. Six national titles. Five SEC championships. The Heisman. You just start rattling it off. University of Nebraska. Well, they uh, have the most consecutive sellouts. Right. And they were uh, ranked for 40 consecutive years in, in the top 25. They were, were. the leader in all <laughs> Americans. They actually still are. Um, yeah. You know, and you, I'm just being funny, but the point is Nebraska had the most consecutive weeks of number one or top 25 and all of these things. You know, even Alabama couldn't touch that. But what's the reason to go to the University of Nebraska now? If you are good enough to play in Georgia or or uh, Alabama or Michigan or Ohio State, right. and to your point, we got USC coming into the Big Ten, <laughs> you know. So anyway, moving on from that, the 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 talent gaps are so severe in some of these some of these instances. But 
I think we've got some poor discipline among some of our football teams too, that you got to play 60 minutes this weekend. It's roll tide weekend because it's (laughs) Bryant Denny stadium. It's under the lights and they're, and they're welcoming LSU to the, to the Bryant Denny stadium. This game is going to be close and it's it's going to be a prize fight. You know, I, I was teasing you yesterday when I said it's, it's, uh, you know, uh, roll tide week and Alabama's going to give that country ass whooping to LSU. <laughs> Buddy, I am under no illusion that Alabama has the team to give that country ass whooping to LSU. Right. Uh, I think it's going to be a great football team and or game. If we moved on from Georgia too early, I apologize, but no, um, that'll be the game of the week. That I don't see, I don't see. Alabama being able to Florida State LSU this year, you know, where Florida State just turned it on and it was done. I think this one is a 15 round prize fight. Well, let's and get they're going to go to the limit. So we did, you know, we we talked about what games to pick, and obviously this is the number one game to pick here. Let's go ahead and get it started here. Um, this is um, Alabama. But not your um, your daddy's Alabama with Nick Saban. This is a, a a team that is not nearly as disciplined over the last couple of years as the Alabama teams under Nick Saban have been, and that's hurt them. You know, the penalties have hurt. Um, they've they've had talented players, but they sometimes I believe win based on talent level and not scheme. And um, sometimes that catches up with you. And LSU, as I said, is a team that has a high-powered offense. And they are going to get their points. I don't care who they're playing against. And um, they're not worried as much about the defense down there. Um, How does this shake up, Andrew? What are you seeing this score at? This one, number one, this is how the West has won. The West is running through Tuscaloosa this year um, because if Alabama loses, now you have a three-way tie in the West. You got to get into tiebreakers. Who's going to run the table? Blah blah blah. Um, this one, thirty-five, thirty-one, roll tide. Okay, I'm sitting here topping out my score that I'm thinking about while you're talking about it, and we tend to almost pick the same score. <laughs> And that is a sad situation because I want us to be enough different to disagree. But but the score I was topping out was Bama 38-35 because I think – Yeah, I think it's, it's close. It's close. But the thing is Alabama has a really stingy defense, a really stingy defense. that It's not – I always talk about the Alabama defenses of 10 and, 10 and 8 years ago, whatever it is. But – from the standpoint, it's still Alabama defense. So they're gonna they're gonna play tough, especially on the corner to safety, the man to man. That's Saban's bread and butter. Always has been, always will be. If they can manufacture a pass rush, the LSU quarterback is exceptional. Now, here's the here's the X factor in this game. What Alabama offense do we get? Because if you get the Alabama offense that went to Tennessee or played Tennessee, excuse me, hosted Tennessee, LSU's going to have a really hard time stopping that offensive scheme. Right. If we get the one that sputtered out against Arkansas, this one goes all 60 minutes, and it goes to the wire. 
It does, yeah, absolutely. So I think Very Alabama's offense, I think Alabama's offense is the X factor. The other thing they got to do, to your point, you've said it for a year that we've know we've been talking about football, and you've said it all year on this show. Alabama's got to play clean game. They've got to play a clean game. The the pass interference penalty protecting the touchdowns one thing. Jumping offsides, jumping false start, illegal shift, illegal motion. Those are all pre-snap penalties. Those are things that you don't do. You get caught with a holding as a 300-pound offensive lineman, okay. You break up a pass and you're too tight on the pass interference, okay. But jumping and giving the other team five has never been a Nick Saban MO. Never. Ne- and they up until two years ago, and we should check it because now we've got that resource, um, Alabama was the least penalized team in college football. Year in and year out. Yeah, it was a story. There was a lot of criticism there of the officials because the Alabama offensive line did not get holding calls. And everybody else in the league was saying there's a conspiracy going on. Well, that's turned on the other side. You know, nobody's talking about it now. You know, Alabama fans obviously are talking about it. But, you know, it's like that was how it was. The Alabama offensive line owned you on the defensive line, and they did not hold you or they didn't get the holding calls, you know, and that was a big deal. Well, that is not the case in the last couple of years, and that's mm-hmm. that's a big shocker for Saban. You know, I watched earlier in the day, I turned on the TV, and I happened to have a thing on Hulu. That's what I watch now, Hulu live TV or whatever. Um, and they had a little thing for the um, – oh, man, I'm going to have to say it um, – the Roll Tide War Eagle 30 for 30 was on, or it was available. So I watched a great deal of that, you know. And, man, you want to talk about some – go watch that. That's all I'm saying. That, that'll that be roll something we'll talk about. Tide Terry. Uh, Terry is I'm Roll Tide that. Terry this week, ladies and gentlemen. I've called him a lot of different things. Hashtag Frustrated Terry. Hashtag angry Terry, frustrated, <laughs> annoyed Terry, like he is right now. Hashtag he is going to be hashtag roll tie Terry it. this week. Yeah. yeah, he said it, and now I'm going to run with it. So officially, <laughs> sir, welcome to the family, roll no, tie. No, no, and it's roll tie Terry. I finished it up with some good stuff right after that. But anyway, let's um why don't we go ahead? We talked about Georgia and um we're going Missouri? to pick two games from the SEC yeah. this week. And and we've got Georgia, Missouri. You know, we talked about Alabama, LSU. That's basically the SEC West championship. The SEC East championship, sorry, Tennessee, but the truth is Georgia, Missouri is the SEC East championship this year. Yep. Uh, what are we thinking here? And I'll go first this time since I made you go first last time. Um, I think Missouri's a better football team than people give it credit for. But I think Georgia's definitely a step ahead of them. I'm going to go the Missouri defense is going to do decent against the Georgia offense, but I still think it's an 11-point game. Georgia wins 31-20. to Woo! Nice pick, Terry. Here's what's going to happen. Georgia's going to realize it's time to start playing football, and their superior athletes are going to – 
be able to take Missouri down this this week. Uh, if Georgia can maintain control on the defense and follow the tackling lanes, stay in your lane. Don't let your cro- man cross your face. Because let's face it, Missouri can fly. They've got some guys on that offensive side of the ball that can get it done. But as long as Missouri, or as long as Georgia, excuse me, stays disciplined, stays in their tackling lanes, doesn't make a lot of mistakes that way, they're just going to out-muscle Missouri before it's said and done. Because if Georgia has to, we've seen them be able to flip that switch and turn it on. But they still have a very good defensive line, a very well-established offensive line. They Those guys aren't the ones dropping the ball or aren't the ones missing the read. They're doing their job. So they're going to beat up Missouri's offensive and defensive lines. And I think unless you see a little a little trickery, unless you see – um, unless you see Missouri get out that tackling lane, um, break that tackling lane. Unless you see Missouri break those tackling lanes and, and do something that's going to be something Georgia hasn't seen before. That's really what it's got to be. It's got to be a unique something Georgia hasn't seen before. But all that being said, that's a lot of just, you know, analysis based yeah, on what I've seen of, watching yeah. a lot of Missouri. But they need to run their offense. They need to run their speed offense. Georgia's going to shut it down, though. Kirby will have a defensive game plan. They will get to the quarterback. And I think Georgia wins this one 38-14. All right. Yeah, I think if Missouri's going to have a chance, it's going to have to be some – Maybe a couple of big turnovers, uh, maybe um, close to Georgia's side of the field and that kind of thing. Turn the field quickly, take advantage of it. That's the only shot that Missouri has in this football game. Yeah, and that's not to discredit to Missouri. It's your right. point. That's They're not on the same level. It's just right. a completely different level of talent, experience, coaching, Coaching experience, being in those games that matter. I mean, being Nick Saban's longest tenured assistant did all the favors in the world for Kirby Smart. He knows what to do, and he's been on his own now, what is it, seven seasons? And this is season number eight? So, I mean, the man, yeah, he's he's there. It, uh, Like I say, we can uh, move on. I think Georgia, though, you, I think they win a lot bigger than you do because it's in Athens. So yes. that's going to be a big, big, big part of their success. So since they're playing between the hedges, I got to give it to Georgia big. As long as they show up. I mean, if you get the halftime Georgia, then maybe Missouri's got a fighter's chance. But I think it's all Georgia. All right. So let's go back to what happened this past weekend. We had a little bit of a game in Kentucky here. Uh, There was some thought Kentucky might have a chance on this. I think the spread was about three and a half or four points. Tennessee ends up winning by six. Um, Tennessee's kind of a team that, you know, they're very good last year. They lost some key pieces. The question marks were like, what are they at quarterback? I think there's still some of those, but they keep coming out and they keep winning football games. You know, they didn't beat Alabama, but, um, they did not let Kentucky sneak up on them on the road, and they got the job done by six points, 33-27. Yeah, I think that uh, Tennessee is one of those teams that uh, – I think Tennessee is one of those teams that 
is in that glob of teams, as you like to call it, Terry. Um, you could put, you probably could put A and M in that after the way they played South Carolina. Yeah. Even though Rattler got, I mean, Rattler uh, for South Carolina looked very good on the first drive, but once Jimbo got it settled down, you know, it was what it was. But you've got that team, and you've got Kentucky can go right in that middle. Florida, we don't know where to put. You know, right. um, I just. I don't know that Missouri is as good as they all that you that they they've show to be. Let's put it that way. Are they really that caliber team? So, I had to tell the dog to go lay down. But um, anyway, he's sitting here at my feet. Anyway, the uh, the whole deal with 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 Tennessee and Kentucky is they're both really good mid level teams in the SEC. Yeah. They could be conference champions anywhere else. But in the SEC, they're not. So, but if you put them in the if you put them in the Pac-12 or the Big 12, they got a great chance. Even in the Big 10, the way they play physical football, right. it fits right into everybody else. So, um, I always thought Tennessee was a better football team. I thought they were the ones that were going to give Georgia the hiccup. Georgia still has to play Tennessee, but I think that's a week or two away before we get there. So, um. Anyway, I think uh, I think the better team did win that one, but um, they're both great football teams. I mean, I don't have a lot to, to I agree. that we can't. There's not a lot to criticize about the game. It was an excellent game. Went yeah, back and forth, both, you know. Yeah, I think they both play good defense, and I think they both run the ball well. Those are the kind of teams that we like. Um, I think Tennessee just has a little recruiting advantage. And oh. it's going to be tough. You know, Stoops has done a phenomenal job in his time at Kentucky. You know, Kentucky, I remember Florida beating Kentucky 72 to nothing in the 90s. You know, Stoops has come in and he's changed how Kentucky football is seen. We are actually talking about Kentucky playing with some of the bigger teams in the league. And that wasn't the case 20 years ago. So, you know, Stoops has done very well up there, but Tennessee just had a little bit more for them than they could handle. Right, right. And I, I agree with that, and I think that Tennessee's got just enough creativity with the play calling and such. They give everybody trouble. Um, we'll see what they do with Georgia. Um, obviously, there was no complaining about the refereeing this week, so, you know, there's that <laughs> from our man, Heifel. There was no, no complaints, but... Uh, this, yeah, because they actually didn't audibly say it because it's not supposed uh, – right. it's against the NCAA rules or whatever to criticize the, the referees. But uh, I'm not anyway, saying uh, the refs sucked. But yeah, you know. I didn't suck, but you know. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't – are they off this week? I don't think they've got a game, do they? Uh, that we listed anyhow. See, we're talking about Tennessee. Not Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, I didn't list it, but um... – I didn't list it because I, I've I've really been only listing the teams that I feel are really within striking distance of the of the division, and um, I did not. Then explain them. Texas A and M and Old Miss. I guess it have to be Old Miss because you know Jimbo yeah, ain't winning shit. Yeah, Jimbo ain't winning Ole shit. Ole Miss has got an outside <laughs> chance, but the only other game I'm going to mention, and there's definitely no contenders in this game. They were playing to to punch out of the corner. Um, Auburn hosted Mississippi State, and I've got to mention it because Hugh Freeze gets his first conference win, and 
you know, we had a quarterback that threw for over 100 yards in the first quarter. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? This is not what we do at Auburn this year. So, um, you know, I know it was against Mississippi State. I felt like Hugh Freeze said, you know, I've talked about this. Quarterbacks, I want one of you guys to step up. And I think Peyton Thorne found a defense he could throw against. And they actually threw over the top a little bit. Um, they loosened it up. They ran the ball well. They played good defense. But he did slow it down in the second half. You know, we're not quite there where we're just going to turn it up and, and whack somebody, even if it is a, a lower-level team in the league. Um, it, it's just one of those things. He had to slow it down and just run the ball in the second half. Two touchdown victory inside the league. We're happy on the Plains. You know, Liberty Bowl, here we come, and we're excited about it. And maybe you'll draw Nebraska and we'll get there. But, yeah, That'd good win great. for Hugh Freeze. Go- we need to go to that if, if that happens, man. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, win for, good win for Hugh Freeze, though. He needed it. Um, yeah. You know, he's had those struggles at Auburn that he's not accustomed to. Yeah. Because when he, when he went into Ole Miss, he had fairly easy – well, not easy – Fairly quick success at Ole Miss. Right. Um, found success at Liberty even after the scandals with Ole Miss. So right. um, we know he's a good coach. We know he knows what to do. But we talked about it last week. Is it Thorne or is it the other guy? Do we put a two-quarterback system in? Are we having a competition? Whatever it is, it needs to keep working because Auburn has a date with the Alabama Crimson Tide coming soon enough. And – Y'all better be on your A game or it's going to not even – it'll be over before halftime in your Iron Bowl, sir. Don't so. get ahead of us a little too much. So here's the situation with Auburn. Auburn was 3-0 and after, I don't remember, uh, UMass, and then they went out to California and won. California, yeah. And yeah. then they had a game against somebody else. I can't even remember who it was, the third game. Then the conference – the the conference schedule started and the first four games were like Texas A&M it went bad LSU went bad Georgia went bad and Ole Miss went bad Ole Miss was the one we were holding out hope but you know well I mean Georgia it was a good game and you led in the Georgia game I was going to say you led in the Georgia game so you know it wasn't like you guys were fighting from three touchdowns down or something you know, we're not we're not chalking up moral victories, right? You don't set a standard for your program by saying we almost did something. So there was a four-game exactly. losing streak there. Um, the game's coming up. We just beat Mississippi State at home. Um, expecting the first road victory against Vanderbilt in their quarter-sized stadium. And then the difficult one is, I believe – um, going to be Arkansas there. That's one I, I'm kind of 50-50 on that one. Arkansas doesn't look great, but they just fired their offensive coordinator, and I don't know what to expect next. You know, And they did just get beat by Alabama by three points a couple of weeks ago in Tuscaloosa. No, stop it. Don't so, bring the tide into this. Well, stop I mean, it. Just because I like, started it. Don't, don't like, bring the tide into it just because I started it now. So I don't know what to expect. But then there's New Mexico State. So there's a possibility, and I think probability, of a four-game winning streak to get to seven wins. And then the Iron Bowl is just say all your prayers, 
go ahead and take your vitamins too if you if you're a hulkamaniac you know um and your steroids because you're going to need them baby <laughs> roll tide hey we got them at home this year so who the hell knows what will happen anyway is anywhere alabama plays they call it they call it home <laughs> so anyway that's enough auburn talk we normally try to talk about contenders um, Auburn is not one of those quite yet, but uh, we figured we'd um, celebrate a little bit of a first conference victory for Hugh Freeze before we move on. But the other games that we feel are worth noting here, we got Texas A&M and Ole Miss. The reason that's notable is Ole Miss is um, that's a one-loss team, and we'll have more on the yep. one-loss teams later. We're going to have a big discussion about that. And uh, Auburn plays at Vandy, like I said, and we're going to see how much of that stadium is built. Um, you know, I entertained going to this game, and I wish I was, but that did not quite happen. Um, I'm interested to see another victory there for Hugh Freeze. That is uh, pretty much the SEC, unless you have some final thoughts on the SEC before we move along. Now you guys are finally going to take the uh, the lead in the rivalry against Vandy. Auburn, yeah, don't 17 points auburn's winning by 17 at vanderbilt you know why they don't play football at vanderbilt they don't even know what the stadium looks like so it's vandy going down by 17 awesome i hope my so. prediction so let's go ahead and go to the big 10 um this week god forbid we <laughs> ohio state and wisconsin you know what? wisconsin played oh. Decent, I think, but uh, it was still a two-touchdown victory for Ohio State here. Sloppy, sloppy, sloppy. Turn the ball over a combined six times between these two teams. Wisconsin and Ohio State are not teams that are known to turn the ball over. They decided to play hot potato with it during the first half. <laughs> they couldn't get the momentum punching in. The defense, of course, of Ohio State, exceptional. Um, Fickle's defensive unit, which he coached at Ohio State, which he's he's the guy behind the defense at Cincinnati and now here at Wisconsin, they did a great job keeping Ohio State down to 24 points when you turn the ball over three times. You cannot do that. Camp Randall was ready for an upset. Did not happen. Once again, Ohio State's defense goes ahead and gets the job done. Um, fuck Ohio State today, tomorrow, and forever. There, we got that in for the week. Um, but seriously, Ohio State has got a game this weekend, and uh, if you thought Wisconsin was gamey, Rutgers can be as gamey because of who the head coach is. So anyway, Ohio State probably should have won by, you know, 41-14 or something, but they didn't get it done. So anyway, I think I predicted a lot bigger win last week than this time, but uh, I don't remember what I said they'd win by last week, Terry. But uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, I thought I thought Ohio State just kind of was just there in this one, you know. Can't turn the ball over that many times. It just and that was what I was saying in our opening, you know. Is this is November football? This is the football that matters. And you don't think any team left on Ohio State's schedule wants to be the one in eleven and one or or whatever it happens to be to Absolutely. knock them off that pedestal? So the same with Georgia. Florida State, Michigan, y'all got targets on your back at this point. So prove who you are. And Ohio State, I thought, looked very good on defense. That's the strength of that football team, and they're going to need it. But, I mean, their offense still is questionable. And 
They're yeah. going to play. If they make it to the playoffs, they're going to play a good defense. They're going to play a good defense when they go to Ann Arbor. But yeah. even before then, they're going to play a good defense. So, um, anyway, Ohio State's offense got to get it together. It's not the it's not the Ohio State we're used to seeing. Just avalanche teams. So I think it's a consider. hyper talented version of Iowa. <laughs> Iowa oh, getting rid of uh, Ferentz, you know. <laughs> Brian Ferentz, ladies and gentlemen, has been fired, even though his father's the head coach. The uh, dean or whatever, the athletic director made the decision. Brian Fer- Ferentz will no longer be the head coach or assistant head coach of Iowa offensive coordinator. Terry, 19.75, uh, 19.75 points per game over eight. 41 of them were against Western Michigan, total of 158 points, and two consecutive weeks in a row, the under is less than 31. So always take the under against Iowa, folks. A little fun for you all. Brian Ferentz, good luck somewhere else. Your offense is garbage um, and has been since you've been the offensive coordinator. Don't know what the hell you're doing in Iowa, but it's not working. So bye-bye, bitch. See you later. <laughs> you know, go big Rick. Yeah, so, I about said roll tide. <laughs> so who knows, though? With him fired, they might start putting points on the board for the rest of the season. They're allergic to scoring, Terry. That's impossible. <laughs> it's impossible. Did you see the spread? I, I sent it to you and Dave. 29 and a half for Northwestern is your over-under. 29 and a half. They're not thinking that either of them are going to score any points. 29 and a half for Iowa versus Northwestern. (laughs) So since we're already talking Ohio State and you mentioned the Rutgers game, that is our next pick. So I'm going to let you go first this time, sir. Ohio State 31, Rutgers uh, 10. All right, that's pretty close to mine. I've already typed it in. I've got Ohio State 38, Rutgers 14. Yeah, I mean, I expect I expect Ohio State to handle business. Um, you know, we had a lot of teams this week just not show up. I yeah. would put Ohio State in that list. I understand it was Camp Randall. I understand you're the away team. But you coughed the ball up three times. It's unacceptable. So this is not the time of year you do that. Anyway, we can move on, Terry. I'm well, done bitching about Ohio State. Speaking of teams State. that didn't Until show next up. Week. And, you know, there ended up being a nine-point victory here, but there was a weird – uh, safety at the end. Penn State with a 33-24 to 24 victory over Indiana. Totally overlooked and weren't prepared. Didn't play good football. Penn State had their down game, hopefully for them. Um, this isn't the Penn State we've watched and talked about the last seven weeks. Not at so, all. Um, don't know why they were so mistake-prone this past week. Indiana is not a good football team. I don't care what anybody says. They are not a They're good not. football team. And so I don't I don't know what the issue was because uh, I didn't get the chance to watch the game. We were actually busy at work, and I don't think – I think that was on, like, the Big Ten Network, and I don't get that channel at work anyway. Right. Uh, yeah. But anyhow, yeah, really shocking to see Franklin's defense give up that many points to Indiana yeah. um, because they are so good. But, um, I mean, it, hopefully it's a bounce-back game and it was a fluke of some kind. Otherwise, Penn State's in trouble when Michigan comes knocking next week. Speaking of teams that didn't seem to show up, and 
maybe they're um, they're the Big Ten version of they looked good in the beginning of the year, and maybe they're not that good. But Maryland with a loss to Northwestern this weekend, thirty three twenty seven. Yeah, I'm so excited about this, but we'll I'll I'll wait to tell you why when my segment on Nebraska starts next. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, Tagovailoa is not living up to the family name. I don't know what in the world is happening in Maryland, but Mike Loxley, uh, his offensive coordinator, Kevin Sumlin, got a DUI last weekend after after the loss there. Whoever they lost to last week, um, he did. He got a DUI, legit. That, so that was the former A&M head coach. He's the right. offensive coordinator for Loxley there in Maryland. Um, but, yeah, Maryland against Northwestern, I didn't even watch the game thinking – Oh yeah, Maryland will win by three scores. Right. Yeah. That didn't happen. That didn't happen at all. I don't. This isn't the Maryland that we watch play with Ohio State for three and it's a half not. quarters. And and I don't know what has changed because honestly, I haven't really had a lot of reason to watch Maryland. Um, but yeah, something is something is off there because that team played punch for punch with Ohio State until yeah. the fourth quarter, and right. I. I don't know. I don't know what's happened to Maryland. I really don't. So, and my deal is, you you would think Maryland might get upset by somebody, but Northwestern ain't it. That is not the team you mm-hmm. would pick to be beating them. But let's move along to Nebraska, like you said, big time win here for Nebraska. They're starting to pick up some steam. Thirty-one fourteen over Purdue. Talk about it, sir. Thirty-one fourteen, and quite frankly. There could have been four scores going either other way because Nebraska fumbled the fucking ball four <laughs> times. Again, Jeff Sims comes in for a, a, a uh, injured, our injured starting quarterback, Heyrich, and he fumbled the ball on his first play. <laughs> Jeff Sims, sit your ass on the bench. We don't need you. We'll keep taping Heinrich back together. Um, but seriously, Four turnovers, if these were any better team, then Nebraska would have paid for that. They win 31-14 to with four turnovers. First time since 2012, and Bo Pelini was the head coach, that they held a team to 100 yards rushing and 100 yards passing. North or, uh, Purdue did not have 200 total yards. And in today's game, that's an accomplishment the way offense works in in modern college football. Nebraska's defense is good. You know how I know they're good? Because for the first time in 11 years, that statistic stands. And their offense gave the other team the ball four times, and they did not score. Right. So Nebraska's defense is legitimate. The off game they had was against Michigan, but everybody else they've come at and come at and come at and come at. And they're going to continue to do it. Nebraska is one of those tough teams. They are five and three. They are one win away from a bowl game for the first time in seven years. They're one win away from a winning season or at least 500 for the first time in seven years. Um, Man. This is a, this, I mean, it's been a long time. And people thought the Polini years were rough. Because his personality cost the team games. He'd get personal yeah. fouls and this shit. But they won nine and ten games every year. Had top elite defenses every single year. But Tony White and the three three five is working at Nebraska. And this is the benefit. 
Nebraska has to be able to recruit in the Big Ten. And the only way they're going to do that is to continue to win football games. You know, the same start thing you have to deal with Auburn and Alabama and, and everybody, Georgia and everybody else. Um, they have to be able to win football games. But even though the offense isn't what we hoped it was, it's certainly not what it was before. Um, ironically enough, touchdown Tommy is now in Nebraska's Hall of Fame this weekend. There was a Hall of Fame. So Tommy uh, Frazier, number 15, the best quarterback in 1995 and should have won the Heisman. He got screwed by Ohio State. That's where the hatred began for old lady George. <laughs> but anyway, so that running game doesn't exist. There's not McAvick and Amon Green and, and, and Tommy Frazier and Lawrence Phillips. That was their backfield. I just named their backfield. Amon Green was the backup running back in that team. They don't have that game. What they do have is a very stout defense that is that is very stingy, that tackles well, that gang tackles well, that stays inside their lanes, and Nebraska's defense is the story this year for that football team. Because of that defense, they'll be able to draw defensive players to Nebraska. Once they have the defense where the black shirts always have been, then you start drawing the offensive players. And at this point, I'll take three- and four-star recruits. I don't need five-star recruits. I need somebody Matt Rule can mold into his guys, and those guys are the ones that believe in playing for him. And they've had some great locker room videos that they've shot with him giving speeches and stuff. If we die, we die was one of them, uh, how he ended the speech. Uh, he gets those guys fired up and motivated to play football. If the offense could only match the intensity the defense plays with, Nebraska would be a true competitor. Um, the reason for the excitement, they are a three-dog favorite going to Michigan State, a three-point favorite going to East Lansing, and they got Maryland the week after. So Nebraska could officially – own their own destiny you know as long as they keep winning but they have to have a little help minnesota needs to lose along the way somewhere um because they do hold that tiebreaker over nebraska but a five and three football team people say oh you're getting excited about that you have no idea how long it's been since we've had a team with a glimmer that looked this good you know nebraska yeah. hasn't ended up and i haven't ended ranked since 2012 that's a long time it is. to not end this for season. a storied program right. like that. This is not this is not your run of the mill program, and that's the thing. It's like you want to say, like Mississippi State hasn't been for a few years or something like that. That's understandable, but this is Nebraska, and, it, and it's different. Yeah. And there's some standards that were set a long time ago. And for it to be that way for several years in a row is a big shocker. You know, Auburn, Auburn's pattern has not been quite that. Auburn's like really good and then falls off the table and then bounces back with a new coach and then falls off the table. So it's kind of like a sawtooth kind of thing with nine wins, four wins, ten wins, five wins kind of thing. But – um yeah, for that extended amount of time, it's it's um I think they've got the right guy in there to 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 kick it up a notch and get some wins. A couple of points from the game. 
you're right about the defense. For Purdue to just score 14 with that many turnovers, that's phenomenal on the defensive side of the ball. My second point, though, is a little bit more comical. I was a fullback at one point, and they handed me the rock a few times, and that bad boy hit the ground because I couldn't hold on to it. And they said, we'll just let you keep blocking from now on, and I didn't get the ball anymore. So I understand. I feel bad for those guys, but, you know, they're getting paid now, so I can't feel too bad for them. Second thing, though, third thing about that game was the high five on the blocked punt. The two players scoop and score, and they high fived each other on the way down to the end zone. Absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Crowd goes nuts. And we found out Matt Rule's got a little Nick Saban in him. He went berserk and started yelling at him for giving oh, each yeah. other the high five running down the field. <laughs> so let's go ahead and hit the standings for the Big Ten before we move along to the other games that are going to happen this week. Um, in the East, I think everybody knows we got a three-team race here. Penn State is a game behind because of their loss to Ohio State, but Michigan and Ohio State are 5-0. and There's going to be three teams to decide, three games to decide this, and Penn State's going to have to show up and beat Michigan, or it's really going to just come down to Ohio State, Michigan. And then in the yeah, West, yeah, uh, Michigan. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I would say it's Michigan's. It's Michigan and Ohio State right now. I mean, oh yeah, that's and, and Penn State just can't afford to lose. The problem is they got Michigan. Now they got them in Happy right. Valley, but anyway, you know. Yeah, so everybody's got a home game at least. I think that's the big benefit of the way this works out. Um, so that's um, that's a round robin of three teams that um, is as fair as it can get. And if you don't show up and play, if you get pushed around, then you're just not as good and you don't deserve to be in it. So that's just how that works. Right. So in the West, and this is what you were talking about a little bit, we, we got four teams with a three and two conference record: Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, and Nebraska. And there are some games that have happened between these teams so far, but um, I would say all four of these teams somehow are, are still in it. Um, I didn't list anybody else. I don't remember what the records were otherwise, but um, these four teams, one of these is going to have the difficulty of playing probably Michigan or Ohio State in the in the Big Ten championship game and um, they better eat their Wheaties. Yeah, they're gonna tote that ass whooping is what's gonna happen because Nebraska has Iowa and Minnesota, or Wisconsin left on the schedule. So they still have a chance to beat those two teams or yeah. lose. I mean I'm a realist. Um but then they've got from the East they've got to play Michigan State and they've got to play Maryland. So they've got to win all those games. Um, but Nebraska's got a chance. They've still got a chance if they get some help, lose one of the five games left. Um, but one at a time, one at a time. East, you know, Michigan State, talk about that right fast because, you know, the West is not going to represent in the playoff. There's not going to be a big upset in the Big Ten championship game. Whoever comes from the East is going to dominate the team that's representing the West. That's yeah. just how it's going to be. It may, and people don't have to like it, but I am a realist. I'm a pragmatic person. Nebraska does not score 14 points against Michigan. I don't think they could score 14 against Penn State 
or Ohio State. So if we got to take another ass whooping, bring me Michigan because I'm not listening to those Ohio State motherfuckers. <laughs> anyway, moving on, East Lansing, Michigan State. It's a 12 o'clock game. Mm-hmm. Nebraska and Michigan State have constantly played each other close. Nebraska has been a thorn in Michigan State's side. I think Michigan State's lost their way, though, with oh, the yeah. whole coaching scandal a and all of that. Going on. Yeah. They got a lot going on, and football ain't on the list. Yeah. So I, I give this one to Nebraska. I think my Huskers take this one by 10, maybe even 14 points. And the defense is going to be the driving force of the win for that game. Because here's the other thing that we're going to get to see this month. It's starting to get cold. And East Lansing is very cold in November, uh, oh, yeah. being right off of the lake and all that. So um, it is not going to be a fun game. Hold on to the rock, boys. But I think the Huskers win by 10. Speaking of snow and cold, did you see where the referee in the Colorado State Air Force game had to tell the fans to quit throwing snowballs at the opponents? I did were... not, but I can't stand that. Guy is terrible. Yeah. I think it was Colorado State's fans were throwing snowballs at Air Force. Mm-hmm. And we'll get, we won't talk about my pick on that game. We'll get to the we'll get to that conference later, but um <clears throat> I made a bad pick. Anyway, did whatever. you pick did you pick the wrong team, Terry? Terry, did you pick the wrong team? The wrong it's team. happened before and it'll tell happen our, again. But you know Tell our fans who was four or five last week callers. That's I right. don't know. I it guess that's me. you, probably. Yeah, it was I me. think I was two and three. <laughs> <laughs> Both of my unders, I picked two unders. One of them won by one point, and the other one won by half a point. <laughs> Ridiculous. Anyway, let's run down the other games in the Big Ten. Nothing spectacular. You talked about Nebraska-Penn State. I mean, Nebra- no, not Nebraska-Penn State, not quite. Nebraska and Michigan, Michigan State. Michigan State, yeah. Um. We picked the Ohio State at Rutgers. We've also got Wisconsin at Indiana. Uh, we got Penn State at Maryland, which, you know, depending on which teams show up, could be a decent game to watch. Um, Illinois at Minnesota, Iowa at Northwestern, and Purdue at Michigan. So nothing on the, on the there. On the Illinois-Minnesota game, this is what I wrote. This is I swear to God, this is what the note says. Low-scoring, cold November football. So, you know, that's what I'm getting at is now if you've got a running team, now's the time to shine. That's your time to shine in the Big Ten is in November because it is hard to catch that ball when it is zero degrees outside, when it's snowing, when it's icy, when it's raining, because they don't cancel football for snow in the Big Ten. So, uh yeah, I, that's what I put in this Illinois. That's funny because I put that on the Illinois-Minnesota because you put it's at Minnesota. And, you know, Minnesota's got snow on the ground nine months a year. It's southern Canada. So um, at this point, they probably got six inches just waiting to get cleared off the field there. But, yeah, the Big Ten this week's game, Penn State-Maryland could be entertaining. Illinois-Minnesota, if you like defensive battles, they probably won't score 30 between the two of them. Let's be honest. Um and then Iowa Northwestern definitely not getting 30. I think Northwestern's on a little bit of a roll and um having beat, you know, Maryland, I give I give Northwestern the edge, particularly since Ferentz got fired. 
you know, he knows his job's done at the end of the season. Um, yeah. It's hard to get players to play for you when you're not going to be there next year. So I say that I say Northwestern beats Iowa. Believe it or not, I'm going with I'm going with the Wildcats. And uh, anyway, North, uh, Ohio State Rutgers, pay attention to that game. Greg Schiano's a former uh, defensive coordinator for Ohio State. He knows the schemes. He knows the man Ryan Day. He knows what they do. He might have been the guy that turned Michigan in for this guy, the sign scandal. Who knows? And by the way, signs are not Michigan's the best team in the Big Ten. It doesn't matter if they stole the signals or not. Um, I, yeah, Michigan's just the complete team. So anyway, uh, I'm waiting on them to play somebody in a few weeks. But yeah, they're they're good. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, you could say that. And, and like, I'm not picking at you when I say, yeah, we've said that all season. The problem is every time they step on the field, they dominate. They and do. it's not even yeah, close. Yeah, they have not played it's down. It's not even close. Yeah. No. I mean, I think and there's so that's confidence that they are very much up there. I, I think it's just one of those prove it to me with a game against a very good team. But they're going to play those games. Yep. And we'll They've got two. Yeah. Yeah. They got two. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> So my last thought on the Big Ten, you said it's getting cold up there and they'll have six inches. My response is it's pretty cold, so it's probably more like three inches. Let's move on to the Big 12. <clears throat> so um, Oklahoma with a big shocking loss at Kansas this weekend, 38-33. And, um, you know, at one point a couple of weeks ago, we thought we had two teams that were outclassing the rest of the league, and that has been proven to be wrong. Yeah, so Kansas, Lawrence, Kansas, obviously it's Rock Chalk Jayhawk, baby. And they went bananas when Oklahoma lost, when they beat Oklahoma. First time, I think, that they'd beaten the top 10 team in Lawrence. Um, and Mangino was the coach there and won 11 games. So that tells yeah. you that they weren't playing lots of good competition back then. So anyway, good win for Kansas. A little shocked by it. Um I thought Venables would have his boys ready to play. Um, I know the quarterback was iffy, if not, because I thought I saw that he played Oklahoma's quarterback, but I know that he was, he had been hurt. He had like an AC sprain or something, but they thought, but, but I thought he played Saturday. Um, Really no excuse for the loss. Oklahoma made more mistakes. Kansas took advantage and they won the ball game. So, um, I mean, it might be fluky because Kansas is three and two in conference. They've lost twice already. So to Texas and uh, I forget who else, but uh, they've already lost two games in conference. But um, yeah, I'm a little shocked by Oklahoma. They can still run the table, but they got to be careful because a man is coming for him, Terry. Oh, He's absolutely. a man, and it's Bedlam, baby. You got to get excited for Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. They just ain't doing it at the end of the year this year for whatever the fuck reason. But uh, scheduling my ass. Bedlam belongs at Thanksgiving weekend, but that's just my opinion. So uh, anyway, Mike Gundy will be ready. Uh, Brent Venables knows what Bedlam is. It's as big as the Texas game, at least to those people at Oklahoma State. Uh, And what a feather in a cap it would be for them to send the Sooners out with a loss. So um, Mike Gundy will have the entire New York City phone book worth of plays ready for Oklahoma. And Oklahoma better pack a lunch 
because uh, that's going to be an excellent football game. So, a couple of points. So, Kansas has a pretty decent quarterback of their own. His name's Jalen Daniels, not to get confused with the LSU quarterback with almost the same name. But um, Kansas is a pretty good football team. They got a little overshadowed by Texas and Oklahoma this year. But, you know, Oklahoma came to town and they said, not so fast. We're going to take one from you. Um, and another point is, you know, with Oklahoma, there was originally scheduled a Georgia-Oklahoma game at the beginning of the year. We've talked a lot about Georgia not really having that tough of a schedule, but they had Oklahoma on the schedule. It was supposed to start a home-and-home um, -home series this season. Um, I believe it was probably this season and next season, and that would interfere with conference play next year. So the SEC um, – requested that I guess they requested it I don't know how that went down but they canceled those games so you know with all the criticism of the difficulty of the schedule they tried you know things happen the Texas Alabama series is ending this season so that's why that one was, was allowed to keep going but um, it is what it is we'll move forward with with the plans as, as we had before but um, Oklahoma as you said um is facing the man, and I have misstated this. I put years on this man ahead of time. I will correct myself. He is a man. He is 56. I've been saying 58. I wanted to make sure that I got that out there. I don't want to be putting years on this guy in his glorious mullet before he deserves it. So he is a man. He's 56, and his team has started showing up lately, and they're playing some good football, and they are welcoming an Oklahoma Sooners team that was at the top of the world and has been knocked down by Kansas. Let's pick this game, Andrew. I'll go first this time. I know he's a man, but I think Oklahoma is going to look at that loss to Kansas and say, we better show up this week. So I'm thinking we've got a 41-30 to 30 OU victory here. What you got, Andrew? Not so fast, Terry. Put it in reverse. The man is going to take down Brent Venables because it. it's Bedlam, baby. It's Bedlam. 34-31, Okie State gets the job done. Awesome. We disagreed on something, finally. And it wasn't me I'm picking sincere. an underdog for a change. I'm sincere about it. Oklahoma State, yeah. it's in Stillwater. They coming for that ass. So, you know, so the only other Go game, that, boys. <laughs> the only other game that happened this weekend worth noting: Texas blasted BYU thirty-five to six, and we have a situation in the standings of the Big Twelve right now with that Oklahoma loss, because this is one of those conferences that does not have divisions. So that you know, I'm really starting to like this thing without divisions now. And um, setting up for conference games with the top two teams. Because right now, here's here's the situation. Oklahoma, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Texas, and Kansas State are all 4-1 and one right now. And then you've got Kansas and West Virginia both at 3-2. and two. And you don't have to be sitting at the top of anything. you got to be one of those top two teams. There is a lot of opportunity for a lot of different football teams now in Big 12 to play in that conference championship game, and I'm really excited about that. I love it. Honest, 
honestly, I think Texas is the best football team, but they're missing the starting quarterback now. He's out yeah. for the season. He's done. So what you saw in this game, you had two fumbles. Didn't see that from Stark's teams. They don't make a lot of those mistakes. 100 yards worth of penalties, I think, in this game. Um, I'll have to double yeah. check. I don't. Where's my iPad? I'll have to double check. But anyway, Texas making uncharacteristic mistakes, something that they're not really, you know, um, I've got it right here. Give me a second, Terry. But Texas's oh. offense is not, it's very uncharacteristic of a Steve Starkeesian team to turn the ball over the way they did. And, you know, the thing is, BYU wasn't very good. Texas's defense bailed them out. They scored six points. So it's not like the game was ever really yeah. out of reach for them or in jeopardy or whatever phrase we want to use as members of the media now that we have a podcast. I'm going to get badges <laughs> of us made. Says fake Maybe news we get on the sidelines yeah, dude, I'm telling you, it's going to say fake news. That's what I seriously want a badge that says fake news. Um, you know, because my man Trump coined that phrase. Because now I'm a Trump guy because I share his videos on Instagram because he <laughs> makes me laugh. But um, I'd love to see him talk about being a man. But anyway, BYU, three turnovers, Texas, two. Oh, this wasn't the game I was thinking. Texas only committed six penalties for 40 yards. Went 16 for 25, which is a little light for them. Um, six for 11, third down, 354 is the yard. So not a real dominating thing, but obviously their defense helped them because they made BYU pay for the mistakes they made. So I, I think, think they got um, a lot of short fields, didn't rack up on the yards, but they were able to score. But they were able to score. That's the point. Good teams yeah. take advantage of the mistakes, take advantage of the turnovers. And Texas is coached by probably one of the best offensive minds in the country. So they're going to be creative. They're going to figure out how to get by without yours. And uh, I think Texas is still most physical football team in the Big 12. And uh, they've got to be. Because to your point, there's six teams with one loss. And right. there's a lot of football left. Yep. So, um, like I said, going to be fun to watch because we're five games out, four games out is all it takes. So we'll see. We're getting there. So the other games this week in the Big 12, um, Kansas State at Texas, Kansas at Iowa State, and BYU at West Virginia. I mentioned these games because, like I said, most of the conference is within striking distance of going to the conference championship game. So we might as well list all of their games. <clears throat> but with all that said, let's yep. head over to the ACC. And um, the first game to even talk about here is Florida State showed up and um, they're looking pretty impressive. 41-16 victory over Wake Forest. Um, they did not let this be a letdown game. It could have been. It did not. No, nah, it could have been. And, that, and that, that's what we've seen. It's been a pattern among our bigger teams, you know, our ranked guys, where you've kind of seen them let off the gas or whatever. Florida State is not one of those teams. I saw a stat come across uh, ESPN. I believe this is their 18th or 19th consecutive game where they've scored over 30 points. Man. That's a lot of that football lot. games scored. That's a lot of games. Um, but Man. Wake Forest was never in this one. Florida State put 500 yards on them. They just rolled, and not to say roll tide, but, I mean, they literally just ran oh, sure. all over Wake Forest, and – 
yeah, the Seminole chop was big, big, big. But um, the ACC, and I know I, I don't want to jump the gun, but this is Florida State's to lose. This this conference is really Florida State's to lose at this point. They got Florida State and you got Louisville, and then you got everybody else. And Florida State is just a much better football team than everybody else. But here's the problem. They've got Miami and they've got Florida. And while some people say, well, that don't matter. Miami sucks or Florida's inconsistent or whatever. Believe me, it matters. Because at one point, these three teams often were fighting for a position in the top five in the country. That history is still there. And uh, everybody wants to still be the top dog. So um, I think Florida State's got the edge on both those teams, but they better not sleep on them. And those are two of the four remaining games they have. So uh, good win for Florida State. Not really much of a a threat. Um, Talking about our barometer earlier when you and I were off air about what we can gauge as a good team. Clemson is no longer in that category, maybe. Um, It's hard to tell. Four losses. First time since 2011, they, I think I saw. But they that can Gabbard show up and be very losses. good any Saturday. I mean, they've shown that in glimpses this year. It's yeah, hard to tell. But I told my boys, Timmy and Dave, you don't bet against you don't bet against the Wolfies in Raleigh, and you certainly don't do it with Clemson. Now they might give up 50 to Carolina, but they ain't gonna they ain't gonna give it up to Clemson. So. Uh, moving into that game, I guess, since I did that transition oh, yeah. naturally for us. We're getting better at this, Terry. Um, it was Wolfpack time, baby, in Raleigh. And, I i mean, I joked with, like I said, we were on Ballers. I had a great time with Dave and Timmy. Uh, you know, we, you know, good guys. They're over on Patreon. Check them out. It's the Filter Free Podcast, guys. They do a great job over there. Highly entertaining, highly offensive. How is it Dana White <laughs> describes me, Terry? Highly inappropriate, but fucking awesome at the same time. That's what we think of our guys there at Filter Free Popcast. Highly entertaining, but fucking awesome at the same time. So uh, we really appreciate being on the show. And uh, I was joking with them that, you know, Clemson doesn't play well in Raleigh. And they didn't play well this weekend. I don't know what in the world they had going on. But offensively, it was stale. It wasn't good. North Carolina was just good enough. North Carolina State, excuse me, the Wolfies, were just good enough to get get the job done. But um, Clemson did not lose that game. Or did, did North Carolina State did not win that game. Clemson lost that game. And there is a difference between the two. That's true. Uh, I've got several games listed here. Let me run through a few of those. Uh, you talked about Louisville. They blanked Duke 23 to nothing. And Duke, Duke's another one of those teams. We talked about it with Utah where they've had health issues at quarterback and really no depth. And Louisville just um, didn't care who was the quarterback for Duke. They were just going to come out there and dominate. And uh, 23 nothing. they blanked them. So uh, Louisville's still uh, right there. You know, it looks like, like you said, it looks like Louisville is going to be that team to play Florida State in the championship game of that conference if unless somebody else steps up because North Carolina has decided the last couple of weeks that they are not quite as good as we thought they might be. Georgia Tech with a 46-42 win against them. 
the damn rambling wreck. I saw part of this game. Mac Brown's halftime conferences. Both offenses are firing right now. We've got to find some stops. Well, they didn't find the stops in the second half, and the rambling wreck had the ball last, and guess what happened? They scored and they won the game. So um, Georgia Tech has often been that team when Paul Rhodes was the head coach, or was it Paul Rhodes? Paul Paul somebody. Anyway, the former former head coach of Georgia Tech, he was there forever. Anyway, that's why I call him the rambling wreck. But they, they are that team that Johnson. can – Maybe it was Paul Johnson. Yeah, yeah. but they co- they constantly be in your. Uh, yeah, Paul Rhodes was Iowa State, I believe. Anyway, Paul Paul Johnson. Yeah, he was um, he was uh, a coordinator at Auburn at one point too for like a season. Yeah, and he yeah, and he was a great coach. Ran the yeah. triple option, um, and Georgia Tech has had really good football players come out of Georgia Tech, and so you can't just say, "Oh, we're going to beat them because it's Georgia Tech. They suck." Blah blah blah. They came to play, and they took Carolina to the limit. I mean, 87 points or whatever scored between the two teams. Uh, it's a lot of points. Yeah. 88, a lot of points. A lot of points scored in the ACC. So, um, Mac Brown's got to figure it out because he can still win out if he gets a little help and play in that ACC conference. Now, a two-loss ACC champion is not going to the playoff. Oh, no. But, uh, but I mean, it's uh, possible I mean, you can forget a one-loss ACC champions won't so i mean florida state needs right. to keep winning these football games because um they don't want it to be called into question you know i think people have washington too high you know that's just my opinion um i'm thinking oregon's gonna knock them off but even if they beat oregon i mean i guess they beat oregon twice that that maybe proves me wrong a little bit but i'm bothered a little bit by people's opinion on that and maybe not pulling florida state up a little higher but you know there's plenty of football to be played. We'll we'll find out about that. But you want to talk about a lot of points scored, and we we pull them in here because they're playing against an ACC team, and they're kind of like not an official ACC team. But Notre Dame scores 58 points against Pittsburgh this weekend, 58 to seven, and um, Notre Dame's good. They got two losses, but you know they've got a tough schedule and. Um, they're putting it on some teams. And their newly shaven quarterback threw two interceptions as well. Uh, and still didn't, you know. And they the still girls won were, by over 50. <laughs> the girls were flipping out, yeah. But he threw two interceptions, and, you know, all of a sudden it looks like they've got an offense there too to, to go with that exceptional defense because Notre Dame plays exceptionally well on the defensive yeah. side of the football um it gave them a lot of and and they they forced i think it i saw that was a game i looked at the stat up because i didn't watch much of it i think it was four turnovers for Pitt or whatever so they're still just they're forcing those turnovers they're giving the offense the ball the offense is doing their thing and once again notre dame's looking really really good really strong inside the um football they're probably the best two loss team in the country I don't know that we're going to get there tonight. We might talk about that next week, but they're probably the best two-loss team in the country. Um, I know there are people that the polls are putting LSU above Notre Dame. I'm not that guy. I don't think that that's accurate. I uh, I actually like Notre Dame, but I think they're certainly better than North Carolina. Um, right. And I think that I think Notre Dame's defense would shut LSU down too. So I I don't know that you can take it from Notre Dame. Um, But, yeah, two losses hurts. 
Granted, one of them was on the final play of the game to Ohio State. That doesn't hurt so much. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, but that loss to Louisville did not do him any favors either. So, uh, I really think that, uh, Notre Dame is, is headed in the right direction. Not a Notre Dame guy, as I've said multiple times on this show. Um, but do respect the game, do respect what they're doing. And it's like you've said, Terry, you can't argue that they don't have a schedule. You can't say Notre Dame doesn't play anybody. They play everybody. They do. And, you know, this is the second game where they've really flexed and shown some dominance. Not nearly as impressive as what they did to USC and Caleb Williams two weeks ago. But still, Notre Dame playing great football. They deserve a January 1 bowl game. I don't think they're going to get into the playoff. I don't think they have an outside shot. But... No. Top 10 football team, absolutely in the conversation. Absolutely in the conversation. Yeah, I think and championships if we is did listed the, in the criteria, and I think that hurts them. No. If we did the 12-team 12, 12 playoff, they sure as shit might be Easily. in it. Easily, yeah. You know? So if it so. was that year, yeah. So um, anyway, I'm going to get water. Will you bring us on to the next point? All right, so I'll run down the standings a little bit. I listed several teams here just because of the whole idea that the top two teams in the ACC play each other. We believe that's going to be Florida State and Louisville, but we got some outside chance for Virginia Tech at 3-1 and one in conference. And then you got several two-loss teams with Georgia Tech, North Carolina, Duke, Miami, Boston College, and NC State. Florida State being the only undefeated team in the conference. And, um, you know, like I said, we believe it's going to be Florida State and Louisville. Um, but who knows? You know, we might get a, a real big surprise at some point. It might be somebody else. But let's talk about week 10. I'll run down some um, games that are ahead of us here. We've got Wake Forest at Duke. We've got Boston College at Syracuse. North Carolina is hosting Campbell, whoever that is. Uh, Georgia Tech travels to Virginia. Florida State travels to Pittsburgh. I have not listed a decent game yet, but these are all the teams that are in the running playing a bunch of cupcakes. Virginia Tech at Louisville might be one of the more competitive games, and we've got Miami at NC State might be pretty competitive also. But then the one game that we listed here that we want to pick this time and uh, we might have some difficulty with this. We talked about this before the show. Notre Dame travels to Clemson, and obviously at the start of the year, this sounded a lot more appetizing than it sounds now, but we still believe that Clemson has it in them to give a decent game. What are we going to see against Notre Dame, Andrew? You go first. I think that uh, what we're going to see is Notre Dame waxing that ass in Death Valley. Clemson goes and loses to Notre Dame 34 to 10 in Death Valley. Clemson's going to take the L. It's going to be a big L. They'll be motivated to play, but they're not going to have an answer for Notre Dame's defense. The offense of Clemson is not nearly as good as it's been. I've talked a number of times to people that I know, and of course on this show, about the advantage you have when your quarterbacks in consecutive seasons are Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. 
Um, They don't have the playmakers. They don't have the receivers. They don't have the running game. The offense is very stale. The defense spends too much time on the field. Notre Dame, three touchdowns, put me down for 34 to 10. Wow. Big time. I'm I'm similar there. A little bit of a tweak for you. I was typing 34 as you said it, so I backed off. I'm going to go Notre Dame, 31 to 17. I think Clemson's going to punch a little bit, but then Notre Dame's going to pull away in the second half. Yeah. Yeah, I just I think I think the Clemson team that we're seeing is is full of talent, great athletes, but they can't put it together. Right. For whatever reason, eight games in, and I'm not saying Dabo's done as a coach or he doesn't belong in the whatever. Man's won two national titles. Clemson's been the most dominant team in the ACC for a very long time, but it's not their year. And so they've got to go back to the drawing board and they need to figure out in the off season, who do we want to be? What does the Clemson tiger look like? What's going to set us apart? What's going to put us back into competition in the playoffs? So for me, they're not Clemson this year and you're going to get a big win by Notre Dame in death Valley, making that case that again, they are the best two loss team in the country. All right. Well, let's move on to the Pac-12. A little bit of crazy. Do we have to? We do. There's some stuff to talk about. They don't know how to here. play defense, Terry. Don't make me well, whine. Well, some of them do. A couple of teams do. Probably three <laughs> teams that I can think of play some okay defense. But um, not the first team we're going to mention. Washington at Stanford this weekend. Washington, this big undefeated team from the Pac-12 at the top. 42-33 against a Stanford team that is not that good. No, and Stanford was giving them the business. That 11 points or 9 points, what was it, 9? Yeah, Let's nine. see, 42, yeah, 9. Looked like, oh, okay, they got, no, that was garbage time, baby. That was right. that was about like watching the Penn State-Indiana game. For whatever reason, Stanford has played a couple of these teams really tough. Yeah. And... I'm not sure what they figured out or whatever, but Washington since the Oregon game has not looked like the Washington team that we were so very high on. Uh, that was an excellent football game with Oregon, and they haven't put on a performance that even comes close to that since. Um, only scoring 15 last week, I think it was, right? They only scored seven, 15. Yeah. yeah, and they did it against a much lesser opponent than Oregon. Right. Arizona um, State, I believe. Is that who it was? Yeah, and we're going to get to it, but I'll say it. Oregon's the best team in the Pac-12. Oh, yeah. And I'm not changing the fact I thought it was Utah, but Utah doesn't have Cam Rising. And without Cam Rising, they're not going to win a Pac-12 title. And they've lost another game. 35-6 this weekend. Oregon just showed up against Utah and said, we we know that we lost to Washington, but we control our destiny here. We'll get our chance again, and they're going to be – they're going to be ready, thirty-five to six at Utah this weekend. That um, that's pretty impressive. It's an ass whooping, Terry. It's just like when the when Colorado came into their house with all that fire, yeah. and they shut that shit down. You know, um, I think Dan Lanning made a couple of choices. I don't want to say mistakes, but choices that he might take back on a second time around. You see Washington play Oregon, he might take the field goals instead of going for the touchdown. That's he right. might do that the next time around. 
Um, the other thing we know is Oregon plays great defense, but so does Utah. So how do you explain 35 points? Utah obviously just got rolled by Oregon in this one. It wasn't close. And, um, you know, I don't say this because you're an Auburn guy and I'm a homer, but Bo Nix is one of the best offensive players in the country. And he should be on the Heisman ballot. I think he'll be a finalist for the Heisman Trophy. Depends so. on how Pinnock Pinnock does. He's been through a lot. I I think Caleb Williams is out of the discussion, quite frankly, um, because his performance has fallen off. I think that Pinnock, though, and and Bo Nix are obviously two of the best players in the entire country, and I think that that Bo Nix brings to Oregon something that they need in terms of that leadership, that experience. What did he say? He started 56 or seven college games now. He broke the record. Uh, it was 52, 56. I don't remember what the number was. Whatever the number. Like it's in the 50s. 50s. Yeah. He's played a lot of football is the point. He's played you know a lot of no, football. You know who's in second place? Mm. The Notre I don't Dame remember. The Notre Dame quarterback. Is right oh, okay. Sam, whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, but those guys have played a lot of football. Yeah. Um, the transfer portal and the fifth year and all that's allowed. For, that's it, Hartman. A lot of them have allowed for that. But the uh, the deal with Oregon, I think they're just too strong right now. Yeah. And and USC taking it taking to have a bad two-point conversion to win the game against Cal – now gets to go play Washington, too, which only is going to help Oregon because let's say USC beats Washington. Well, that did that did him a favor. So who knows how that's going to look, you know? But I think I think USC loses that game. But anyway, yeah. uh, I don't but, know where I was going other than to say Oregon, utter domination of Utah. And without Cam rising, unfortunately, Utah's offense just – it's just not there. It's not – and – it doesn't seem doesn't seem like it mattered because the defense got taken taken down a peg this weekend too. Well, the thing I, the things I like about Oregon, I think they are probably one of the most balanced teams in the country because you know you talk about Bo Nix, he's a good passer, he is a playmaker, he can run, but they've also got Bucky Irving in the backfield. And to me, he he's like a Carnell Williams coming from an Auburn fan. He's a small guy. But he will, he'll run right up the middle, and he's very aggressive, and he's fast, and he's small. But he's gonna, he's gonna get those hard yards also. And they pair that with a good defense, and um, it's hard to beat all of those things. So um, that's why I like Oregon. I think they're, it's gonna be easier for them to be consistently good than it will for Washington, because Washington's a little more um, one-dimensional. Obviously, they got the great quarterback, but they're relying on that. The defense isn't quite as good. But Oregon, I think, is the total package in the Pac-12. And I'm, I agree with you here. They are the class of the league, and I think they're going to end up with the crown at the end of the year. Yeah, I think Oregon's just Oregon's just a complete football team. That's the word I use to describe them. They got a great head coach, somebody nobody would really heard of, but he worked on that Georgia staff. Um and he's a motivator. And I think, I just think Oregon, you know, they knew they had to play good against Utah. They played big. 
they played to the moment against Utah. So good for Oregon. I think that's great. And um, I already mentioned it a little bit, but, um, you know, another game we took that you talked about, I guess, or we took anyway, Oregon State, Arizona. Oh, yeah. And Arizona wins. Arizona's a good football team. It's they just are. the wrong year for them to be a good football team well, they in improved. the Pac-12. Because they got beat yeah. by Mississippi State earlier in the year, and they have improved a great deal, and they've played some good games against some teams. And obviously, you know, Oregon State's not a team that's been talked about a lot, but I think they were number 11 in the AP. I mean, they yep. were way uh, up they, there. They, and yeah. Arizona and that's, put it that, I mean, just, yeah, Arizona, and, and they win by a field goal. But, yeah. you know, I think it was favored the other way, three points or whatever. And yeah. I, I, this sticks out for me because it was my ballers pick because you and I have been watching Arizona all year. And I'm like, yeah. no, 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 no. Arizona's a good football team. You're not going to beat Arizona in Arizona, you know? So, I, or uh, were they in Corvallis? Doesn't matter. I, I think Arizona's at Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. So, Arizona's that. a good football team. But anyway. Um, that was a good one. And of course we talked about UCLA, Colorado. The, the, the thing that comes out of that is that, uh, coach prime needs to find himself an offensive line. And we talked about that earlier. Yeah. There's no reason to, to, to beleaguer the point, but to the point, I guess Shador Sanders was running for his damn life against UCLA. That is not an elite defense by any means whatsoever. Do not get it twisted. What they did though was put so much pressure on him so fast he had no idea what to do he couldn't he couldn't get away they couldn't throw the ball they couldn't do what they like to do right. um very disruptive great game plan by chip kelly and his offense did just enough and they turned the ball over too i mean that's what i was talking about earlier these turnovers these penalties i mean this is not the way you play november football guys you've got to get it done so um i just so- wanted to sum them up if you've got anything to add No, I mean, you pretty much nailed it. Um, I think there's – I do have something for the only other game that we've got listed here in the Pac-12, though, this USC-California game. Um, (laughs) We weren't going to pass up on it, Terry. Don't let our fans down. Tell them about USC. (laughs) Well, here's my problem. Uh, This is going to be kind of a dagger at California because California scores a touchdown to pull within a point at the end of the game and decides to go for two and misses it. So USC, they let them off the hook and USC wins 50 to 49. And I know if they made the two point conversion, they win. I get it. I know how the math works, but (laughs) you're the team that scored at the end. You've got a little bit of momentum going, take that momentum into overtime. That's all I got to say about that. But USC, they are not who we thought they were. We Neither one of us really thought they were all that impressive at the start of the year. Neither one of us picked them to win the conference. But I think they're worse than even we thought they were. Defense does not exist out there. And like I said, no, and I bet- they're a little bit better version of Colorado this season, I think. And it's showing, and I bet you one of the mandates that Lincoln Riley gets is you better find a defensive coordinator. I would imagine oh, that's yeah. coming from the AD. Is you you want to compete against Oregon, Washington, Arizona, and uh, Utah? You better have a damn defensive coordinator. And by the way, we're going to the Big Ten next year, so you're going to compete against 
uh, Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State and all the rest of them out there, you better have a defensive coordinator. If you don't have a defensive coordinator, what exactly is it that we're trying to do here? So bottom line for me is Lincoln Riley is missing the boat because he's only playing, he's only coaching half the game. You don't do that as a head football coach. Number two, 99 points. Are you shitting me? What are we doing? That's not playing defense, Terry. California scored 49. That is ridiculous. USC scored 50. I could almost see it because that's what they do. But 49 from California. And by the way, the man in my background, Tom Osborne, real men go for two, Terry. He lost a national championship, not going for the tie against Miami in 84. Real men go for two. Good for California. Terry's wrong. You don't take that shit into overtime because USC scoring at will, and they came back from a 13-point deficit. What you do is you win the game, and you take it home, and y'all couldn't do it, and somehow <laughs> USC won. So, well, it's the wrong decision when it doesn't work. That's how that works out. But anyway, let's talk no, about sir. standing. Right decision. <laughs> let's talk about the standings before we move on to this week. Washington sits up there at 5-0. and And unfortunately, after all this crap we're giving USC, they're sitting right there at 5-1, and right behind Washington. And, you know, Oregon is only at 4-1, and so they're a little bit behind USC. Obviously, that works itself out. Oregon State's right behind there with 3-2. and and then Utah, Arizona, and UCLA are all also three and two. So several teams to mention there. Uh, I think the expectation, obviously, is Washington, Oregon. It would take something um, surprising for it to be any other teams involved here. Well, and if I'm not mistaken, I think USC has to play both Washington and Oregon before the season is over. So like you said, that's all going to work itself out. Yeah. Obviously, the only remaining undefeated team is Washington. And let's move into the Week 10 games. We've got Arizona State at Utah. California Even without Oregon. Cam Rising, Utah wins that one, Terry. Come on now. Oh, yeah. California at Cal- Oregon, which shouldn't be a game. <laughs> but they just scored 49. Come on, Terry. Against USC. I think they, they didn't feel the defense. <laughs> Washington at USC, which is interesting to me because um, this could be a decent game. I know we talk about USC crapping it up, but Washington lately has not been that impressive. I mean, if USC is going to decide to show up and play, this is the game to do it. I hope the game manager, the stadium manager, paid the light bill because you're going to need all the bulbs in the scoreboard, as you like Absolutely. to say, Terry. Uh, that one's going to be a shootout. Here's how I know that. Even Washington playing shitty can score against USC's defense, okay? Yeah. Cyrus's soccer team could score against USC's defense at this point. They are that bad. Oh, so I'm, think, I'm thinking this one, put 100 on your over-under, because they're going to light it up in, in Los Angeles. So, um yeah, but I'm still giving it to I'm still giving it to Washington because yeah. I don't believe I don't believe USC can get the stops when necessary and Washington can. Yeah, they'll make a few stops and that'll be enough and they'll probably win by a couple of touchdowns, I think. Yeah. Oh, but the UCLA at Arizona game, yeah. don't sleep on that, buddy, cuz that that one could be a sleeper of a game for the 
all the games you sent me, that's what yeah. I wrote right there. Sleeper, thinking that UCLA Arizona could actually be one that that's that Oregon Washington Penn State um, Ohio State. Now, granted, the stakes aren't as high, but in terms of caliber of a football game, right. that one's got real potential to be a well, good football game. It may be a sleeper because it may start at like midnight. That, that's true too. That that's might be the reason too. it's a sleeper. I didn't mention it last. I don't know if that's because it was scheduled last. I didn't put the times on this, but oh yeah, and well. we skipped Oregon State and Colorado. But Oregon State, oh, they're at Colorado. They're not playing in Corvallis. Oregon State by twenty-one because Colorado's got no defense. That's what I'm saying there, Terry. Three scores. Beavers win big yeah, time. I think Oregon State's and a that's good my... football team. I know that they lost the game to Arizona this weekend, but Arizona's good, and it was at Arizona, I believe. Um, yeah, uh, Colorado, they've got a lot of pieces to fill. All right, so that's the Pac-12. Yeah. Let's. I've got this other section here of other notable teams. It got me in trouble last week with Air Force. Yeah, Air Force covered the spread on Colorado State. Colorado State came out and punched them around a little bit, but second half, Air Force just walked away with it. 30-13, to 13, Air Force is still undefeated, causing trouble for people's computer polls and that kind of thing. But um, pretty good football team for the Air Force Academy. James Madison is also undefeated, but they only beat Old Dominion 30-27 to 27 this week. So, you know, it's possible that that happens it 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 may be something that happens soon with james madison we might have one fewer undefeated team and liberty also i believe this was at western kentucky liberty wins 42 to 29 so these three teams remain undefeated from the group of five and um yeah that's all there is to say about that i can't tell you if Louisiana Tech is going to put a good game up against Liberty, I don't know enough about these teams. Army at Air Force this week, and James Madison travels to Georgia State. Nebraska beat Louisiana Tech by two scores. That If that gives you any any help. <laughs> See, I don't know how to compare Nebraska to Liberty. You know, no clue. Liberty probably beat them. I don't know. Their offense yeah. is trash at Nebraska. The only thing we're riding is the defense. And we're going to ride it all the way to Indianapolis where we're going to get smoked by Michigan again. But, uh, you know, we'll Looking deal with that in five weeks. Yeah, exactly. All I'll right. be I'll be watching Alabama beat Georgia roll tide. So, anyway. So, let's run down the top ten for this week. Um, we got Michigan sitting up top, number one, with 30 points, followed by Ohio State with 27 points, thanks to Andrew giving the big thumbs down to him because that's uh, – <laughs> That's the pattern. Florida State in the third spot with 26, followed by Georgia with 25 in the fourth spot. We do have Oregon slightly above Washington, even with a 7-1 record uh, with 21 points to Washington's 20 points at number six. And then Alabama has found their way to number seven here. And obviously they didn't do it by winning a big football game this weekend, but some people, some teams have dropped. Alabama has um, improved, so Alabama is sitting at number seven for us with 18 points. Penn State at number eight with 17 points. Texas at number nine with 14, and then Oklahoma after their loss 
rounds out the top 10 with 12 points. Um, no two loss teams in the top 10 for us at this point, but that's probably a good segue into the next discussion. Let's talk about the different um, one loss and two loss teams here. Uh, we wanted to talk about this. We're deep into the season. Some good teams are going to have some losses. Let me run down the undefeateds and the one losses. I don't have the two losses mentioned, but we can play that by memory. The undefeated teams in the Power Five, I left the others out. Florida State in the ACC, Michigan and Ohio State in the Big Ten, Washington in the Pac-12, and Georgia in the SEC. All of the one-loss teams in the Power Five, Louisville in the ACC, Oklahoma in the Big 12, Texas in the Big 12, Penn State in the Big 10, Oregon in the Pac-12, and three teams in the SEC with one loss with Missouri, Alabama, and Ole Miss. What are your thoughts on this, Andrew? I know you've got something brewing in your noggin there. Best one-loss team on the t on the slate is Oregon. Most complete football team, have the best quarterback, playing the best balanced attack, have a motivation and an edge to play with. And that pains me to say because my beloved Crimson Tide are on this list, but Oregon beats Alabama heads up. And I truly believe that. Oregon, to me, is the one-loss team with the chance to get in. Nobody else is going to be. Because I think Oregon takes Washington in the Pac-12 title game. There's got to, you know, they got four games to get there. But I yeah. think Oregon is the better football team. I think they were the better football team in Eugene, or in Seattle, excuse me. They just lost that day, and it happens. Yeah. Uh, we've seen That's we've seen day. both. Yeah, we've seen both Nick Saban and Kirby Smart, and for that matter, Dabo Sweeney lose a game in a season and win the national championship. So it does happen. You don't have to be undefeated, but you got to be good. So I think Oregon's hitting their stride. The other thing I wanted to mention is I think that right below Oregon, it, because of their defense only, is Penn State. Mm -hmm. Penn State had a bad weekend this past weekend, but they're still an excellent defense, top three or four in the country. Um, and then the third one that I wanted to mention we could put them together. Uh, I think Oklahoma and Missouri are about the same football team. I don't think either one of them are playoff contenders. No. Ironically, uh, most of these teams would be in the playoff if it happened next year and it happened today. So what are your thoughts? So, I, know that, I know that there's a quarterback injury, but where do you put Texas? Let's imagine – that we did not have the quarterback out for the season. Where does Texas sit in this thought process? In that case, in that case, I think they sit right with Oregon. Okay. But without Ewers as their as the quarterback, yeah, I can't put him up with Oregon's caliber because Bo Nix is exceptional. Right. And I don't say that because you're my co-host and you like Auburn and Nix was there. I say it because it's the truth. Bo Nix yeah. is playing out of his mind in Eugene right now. He is. So um, he found a coach that worked for him. No offense to your man. Uh, I'm not saying that Freeze couldn't have got the best out of Bo Nix either. But Oregon was probably well, the better fit based on the receivers in the offense that Bo Nix is able to run right now. 
I think um, it's possible if Bo had not left that Hugh Freeze would not be at Auburn today because he left um, not last year but the year before, and that's when um, Brian Harson was still there. Now, if he would have stayed at Auburn, it's possible that Auburn won enough games last year that Harson would still be there. So, oh, okay. I mean, much as it breaks our hearts, it's probably best for the program that Bo Nix left under those circumstances. But it would be great right now to have Bo Nix. I got to tell you, I think we would definitely have more wins right now with Bo Nix at quarterback, for sure. He's a he's a he's a great quarterback, and they yeah. play with the the thing about Oregon I like is they play with that intensity um, that their coach just just it just emanates from him. And yeah. Dan Lanning is a very intense man. Uh, but they're always focused and they're ready to play too. Oregon is a team that's had very few bad moments in this whole season. Um, and you know, he took it on himself. He said, look, we're aggressive. We're going to go for touchdowns again at, in the PAC 12 championship, if it's Oregon and Washington, and he has the option to kick a field goal or to take the touchdown, he might go ahead and kick a field goal the next time around. He might, he might, who knows? But, um, from the standpoint of these teams, though, they are so close, and yet some of them are so far apart. Because I think this year you're going to see the importance of an elite defense, um, and every one of our top teams has an elite defense. Every one of them. Michigan, right. Ohio State, Penn State, Florida State can be elite when they want to be. They're not quite as good as the other three I just mentioned. Um you know, and then Washington is on the out of that circle. So if it's me, I don't want to be Washington drawing one of the three teams, Ohio State, Michigan, or, or uh, Georgia. You know, they're just very good defenses. So um, a lot to chew on there, but I just think that Oregon is is head and shoulders above, and I, I wasn't the guy that picked Oregon to win the Pac-12. You were. So, because um, I thought Utah, coming off of last year's Pac-12 victory, with what they had, you know, and obviously Cam Rising was a big deal. Right. Just kind of make that make that note to head coaches. Maybe you got to have two quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. The good news for Texas is they have three. Right. But I don't know what caliber you've got right now with their backup quarterback before you get to the Manning kid to get to Arch, but. um you know, Arch is going to redshirt. They're not going to. They're not going to play him. Yeah, I think they even. They're, I mean, they made a big deal out of that, wanting a redshirt season with him going. So, I mean, yeah, I think it's, there's it's there's a plan. Almost, you know, um, yeah. unless this guy gets hurt, the plan is Arch sits the bench. That's the plan. You know, so and we know we uh, know how the Mannings they they like to um, be in control of where they're going, even in the NFL draft. You know, so. Um, they're not going to um, take lightly any thought for him to come in and blow a red shirt on a few games. No, no, not at all. But um, so I think I think Texas is a really physical team. I think that helps them. I think Alabama may be trying to find their identity. Yeah. But you know the one thing, and 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 I've I've said this to you. I've said this to a couple of my other football buddies, or well, just friends. We love football. Um. The problem with a team like Alabama, problem with a team like Clemson, the standard has been so high for so long 
that now when you see some weaknesses and some chinks in the armor, you're so unaccustomed to seeing it that it ends up being like it's a it's a big deal or you know, like you said, the penalties the last couple of years, the turnovers, the the lack of a temper tantrum, whatever it happens to be that we're looking for as football fans. And all of a sudden it's not there, or it is there in the case of the, the penalties. Um, you're so not used to seeing it that you can't say, well, Alabama's the best team in the SEC. But I do believe they're the best team in the SEC West. Yeah. And LSU's going to get that ass wax talking about a two-loss team. Yeah. They about to be a three-loss team, Terry, because LSU ain't going to get it done in Brian Denning under the bright lights and 90,000 or whatever in attendance. Going to be a lot of crimson in that game. Yeah. Um, Are they? Yeah. But back to Clemson, you know, Dabo said something similar to what you said, but he said the dangerous words. Maybe we need to lose a few games. And um, since then, they've lost a couple of football games. So that's not a good look. But anyway, we've talked about that a couple mm. of weeks now. Yeah. yeah. And that, that, I mean, the thing is, nobody wants to lose football games. I give you guys the stat all the time. The GOAT, the greatest of all time, the man hosting LSU this weekend, has lost 28 football games since 2007. Nick Saban has lost 28 football games as the head coach of the University of Alabama. That's what I call untouchable. Fun stat that I'm going to go ahead and preview for Terry. I'm trying to count how many of those would be Auburn. It's at least four or five. <laughs> Auburn has had less 10-win seasons than, than Saban has had in the last 15 years. <laughs> Roll tie. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, so let's uh, let's move on to a team you don't like, Notre Dame. So we had a little bit of a question about Notre Dame, and you know, obviously they're not in a conference. They got whatever weirdness they have with the ACC with scheduling, but they're not officially in the ACC. They're sitting at two losses. You called them the best two loss team in the country. Um, they yes, play sir. a very difficult schedule. You know. A lot of that is basically not being in a conference. But they're not going to be in a conference championship game no matter what happens. Um, how do you treat conference championship games and the lack thereof with Notre Dame? My thought is you treat conference championships like another regular season game, and you grade it based on that. Do you put yeah, any because here's the championship uh, – Do you? And boost anybody for winning a conference championship with respect to comparison to Notre Dame? What are your thought process there? If it's the SEC, maybe. Because yeah. you're going to have Georgia, Alabama, or Ole Miss and Georgia in the in the SEC championship game. Um, so maybe, but like the Pac-12, you've already got two one-loss teams that potentially are going to be your – well, we know uh, no undefeated team in the Pac-12, or the Big 12, excuse me. The Pac-12, you got one undefeated team left. So, um, I don't know because here's the thing, and I'm 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 making this joke, but the Big Ten East has or West has four teams that are three and two. Mm -hmm. Take Nebraska out of it. Let's say Wisconsin wins the the Big Ten West. 
and then they draw Michigan, the undefeated Michigan Wolverines. Why should I treat that conference championship game any more significantly than I would treat a regular season game when you know that Michigan's just going to wax that ass? And, you you know, I don't know that you treat the Texas-Oklahoma game any different. This time Texas wins. Okay, does that make them the better football team because they won at the end of the season or in the middle of the season when they lost, you know? Um, Conference championships only matter if the conference is strong. And the Big Ten East is strong. The SEC West is the SEC West. And then you've got Georgia and Missouri, you know? Um, the pack 12, the pack 12 is wide open. Yeah. And the, uh, uh, they haven't beaten anybody out of conference. We talked about this last week. It's like, how can you grab that? It's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. And so I don't, that is. And and honestly, coming up with these super conferences, that, that almost doesn't, that almost argues against the strength of a conference, you know? So it's the size. Because we had to travel from Los Angeles to fucking Happy Valley. If you're USC playing Penn State and the you know at in Pennsylvania, I don't think you could get any farther away from Southern California than Western PA. But uh, you know, at least in that conference. But um, no, I think I think that there's just um, I think there's just too much that way. I, I don't I don't think it. Don't think it works out. All right. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm with you on that. I mean, it really is like you kind of were saying there without saying it. It's like you expect a good game in the SEC championship game. You don't expect a good game in the Big Ten championship game. Not this year, I don't. Absolutely right. not. Absolutely not. So what's um, what's winning that one more game against Nebraska or Iowa? going to really mean for that team that's already won their division which was tougher than winning that game not a lot and that was my that was the point i was getting to yeah, yeah. thank you i was i'm getting circular it's getting a little late you know i'm yeah. a little out there <laughs> we've gone a um, long time we've gone a long time but and i didn't i didn't mean to but yeah it's 10 30 but the uh no you, you and i are on the same page if the if it's two undefeated teams that have rolled in their divisions that's one thing yeah. But those are basically gone, you know. Um we're going to get Louisville and we're going to get uh Florida State more than likely if if at least it were to happen today as long that as Florida State doesn't derail and that may be a really good game. But um still it's a game. It's just one game. Right. Yes, winning the conference matters, but teams are so good um you know like winning the SEC essentially puts you as the number one seed in the playoffs or it has for the last several years that you were going to be the one seed it's like if you're going to make it mean something make it mean something not this not officially bull crap that's that's my problem with the way this whole playoff and and um, college football set up it's like things matter that aren't you know they don't officially matter but they matter like just set it up like you know obviously i've spoken to this get rid of half the teams that'll make people play some teams 
They can't do that. They'll bring the lawyers out. They've let it get too big. Um, but, yeah, I just um, – Michigan not playing a com- any real competition until until they go to Happy Valley, you know. And like, like you say about Auburn, it's like no offense to Nebraska there, but they went a very long time this season without – and I know they haven't played down to anybody and there have been opportunities, but, um, you know, that's that's not a schedule that really proves a team great until very nope. far into the season. Well, and right now you're making the same argument. They're making the same argument about Georgia. Yeah. Because now you've got Georgia, when you saw on the schedule, they had Florida and yeah. they had Tennessee and blah, blah, blah. You're like, oh, that's a tough schedule. Until not you much. see which Florida and Tennessee team they're playing. You know, yeah. Um, because they've got Florida, they got Missouri, and then I think they get Tennessee the following week. Next week, I think they get Tennessee. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't matter. Ultimately, they got to beat everybody. But, mm-hmm. um, I just think, I think there's, yeah, I mean, some of this you have to do with logic. We took, we joked about your computer poll, and I think we skipped the computer poll. But you, you know, like it. it's there somewhere. Well, we were asking questions, you know, and and like we're gonna wrap the show up anyway here in a few minutes. But yeah, the like I was asking you questions, like, well, we would have to manually input a coaching factor, right? Who's the head coach? How does it matter? What is it? You know, and then that then that becomes subjective because I can show you why I think Nick Saban's right. the greatest football coach of all time, but Kirby Smart's won the last two national titles, right. so who's better now, dummy? You know, right. I'm just, you know, and, and we could we could go and on and on you, about that. How do you grade Joe Paterno when he wasn't really coaching the team? You know, yeah, there was a period exactly. of time he was listed. And, you know, I, I worked with a Penn State grad and I like posted something to Facebook about, you know, he's leaving the press box before the game's over. Come on. So this guy gave me a lot of crap about that. But it was reality. It's like he wasn't coaching that football team. Come on. Mm-mm. It's just a no. At that head. point, he was just a figurehead. I was going to say the yeah. exact same thing. He was just a figurehead, but that was like, well, how do you train? Longevity, win loss record, points, right. blah 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 blah. Yeah, so I guess you know, my, so there's no way, my, no way to my, quantify it. Was what I was getting at. Yeah, and my my thought process on that, and um, I'll just say that the the computer poll's fun. It's a challenge. And um, it is available um, with the other polls and other graphics. We keep increasing the number of graphics that we put out there. That's a lot of fun to come up with new. They're getting new they're cool getting better things. too. By the way, yeah, whoever our really graphics guy that. is, yeah, shout he, out to um, him. The graphics guy is doing a good job. Well, he's um, he's working on it. He he has ideas and he throws it out there. But I guess really, I'm treating this this season as kind of a prototype for the computer poll learning how to do that. And I think in the off season, I want to take a step back and say, what have we learned from it? And then maybe you and I can get together and look at all the different um, parameters that are available and really talk about what should matter. Cause right now I think what I'm putting in there, it looks decent, but there are two or three teams that are a little high. Like Ole Miss is number 10 this week. Ole Miss should not be number 10 um, and that kind of thing. Um, and really take a look at it and see what we what's available, what we think matters, and go through it 
and we'll do that in the off season and maybe I would like it to be something where it doesn't wait until halfway through the season to be able to predict something, you know, I would like it to be right. good enough that we know from historical data and that's tough in college football because every team is different, but uh, we'll see. It's a challenge. The disclaimer, I really hit the disclaimer hard. Don't expect this thing to be great. So you're not going to like something about it. everybody's not going to like something about it, but it's fun. It's fun to make fun of it. Make, make an Apple II graphic to make it look all nerdy and stuff. But you know, we'll put that out there. We've got other graphics. We got the top 10. And if you want to find these things, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and now TikTok. This week's computer poll did not get banned from TikTok like last week's <laughs> did. So success there. Um, do you have any final thoughts before I wrap us up, sir? Thanks for the discussion here. Oh, no, no. But it's November football, baby. It's cold. It's going to be good. You know, we're finally getting to the home stretch of games. That's the that's really the word we need to look for. But it's November football. It means it's time for good football because I'm changing the channel. Otherwise, as a reminder, tip your waiter and fuck Ohio State today, <laughs> tomorrow. And forever. Okay, that was 30-year fan saying that. I'm T-Weave79. We together are TNA Top 10. That's where you'll find all the graphics and the information about the show on social media. And we thank you for spending some time with us again this week. If anybody's new, uh, we are getting better every week. We started this from scratch, not knowing what we were doing. We're learning as we go. It's getting better. We appreciate any kind of feedback that you provide, please review us, rate us on all the platforms that you listen to us on and have a great week, everybody. See you later. <laughs>